Uh, I want to tell you at the outset that this evening as I looked around at you young people, and particularly as I heard the description of that awesome eight down there, I recalled a story of a little girl who was standing in front of a mirror one day looking at herself, and she called out, Mommy, did God make me? And the mother said, Yes, dear. And the kid looked at herself some more, and she said, And Mommy, did God make you? And her mother said, Yes, dear. And the child pirouetted in front of the mirror and then said, You know, Mommy, I think God has been doing better work lately. <laughs> I want you to know that's how some of us feel based on what we've seen. I have had, as you may have gathered, a rather extraordinary opportunity and a rather unusual career. As a lawyer, I've been able to do some satisfying work in corporate and international law. As a businessman, I've been able to play a part in the development and growth of a great American company. And uh, I have also had the great opportunity to represent my country in some very important negotiations. I want to say to you at the outset that despite the great satisfaction which I received from my involvements in the private sector, nothing gave me the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the sense of achievement that I got from what I did when I had a chance to represent my country. And it's in that context that I want to talk to you for a few minutes not about myself, but about you. Not about your opportunities so much, because a lot of people will tell you a lot about your opportunities in the next couple of days, but about your responsibilities, your obligations, if you will, to the other human beings on this earth. One thing you have to start by recognizing, no matter how great your talents and your genius and your capacities, you will not be able to live secure and peaceful lives in a world which is insecure and at war. This is an interdependent world. We all need each other and depend upon one another. And it is not going to be possible for you to be safe, to be secure, if the world is filled with torment and unrest and the people of this world know poverty and sickness and the kind of anguish that comes with hopelessness and despair. I want to suggest to you that this imposes a special responsibility upon you who have so much to offer, so much to contribute in dealing with these problems that besiege the world and have. Both here at home and abroad, there will be opportunities for you and responsibilities for you. Archibald MacLeish, the poet, once said, America is promises. For you in this room, for almost all of us, America has been a land of fulfilled promises. But for a large number of our fellow citizens, our history has been a history of unfulfilled promises. And I want you to think about that as you look forward in your own lives and in your own careers. Look back with me for a moment to some history. As you may know, at Philadelphia, Thomas Jefferson wanted to write into the Constitution a provision that the slaves would be set free. But his colleagues talked him out of it. There were then four million people in the United States, and one in four was a slave. Time went on, and from 1790 until 1850, 
No president would even mention the word slavery in his State of the Union message. But as Lincoln later said, we cannot escape history. Either slavery or democracy had to go. And when John Brown appeared at Harper's Ferry, thoughtful men knew that we were on our way to what had to be a devastating war if slavery was to remain with us. And then we were embarked on the great bloody war known as the Civil War in this country. History can move quickly. And history can move slowly. It was 1862 when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, and you remember, freed the slaves. Six decades later, 1922, we dedicated the Lincoln Memorial to commemorate that freedom, and the blacks came and sat in a segregated section. Forty years later, Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and said, I have a dream. And all of us who were there to hear him, and the 200 million Americans who were not, knew in our hearts that that was the same dream that Thomas Jefferson had had. We've all got a responsibility, you particularly, to think about how at long last you can help fulfill that dream. Because we cannot expect our fellow citizens to be content to live in a segregated section forever. And I want you to remember, if nothing else, that a country that is not good enough for all of us is not good enough for any of us. And you have a responsibility which goes beyond that. I'm talking about your responsibility of the people outside of this country, to the poor and the deprived and the homeless, the poverty-stricken. You may know that we are living in a world which is besieged by these ancient enemies of hunger and starvation and illiteracy. But what you may not appreciate is that, for, that today, for the first time in our history, we have the skills, the resources, the science, the technology to abolish these ancient enemies of mankind. We can do it if we can but summon the will. And in that connection, let me remind you of something. Science and technology are amoral. They are good or bad depending on what you do with them. An automobile can transport you or it can kill you. So can an airplane. Nuclear energy can blow us up or it can give us unlimited energy for the future. Television can bring us the Boston Symphony or the Gong Show. <laughs> it all depends on what you do with it, whether you can summon the know-why to go with the know-how. And that's the great challenge you face. Will you be able to summon that know-why? Will you understand that the great gifts you have have to be used for purposes that will make this world just a little bit better because you have lived and made your contribution? And I say to you, feeling it as deeply as I possibly can, your greatest satisfaction will be if you can say you have done that. You're living at a pivotal time, a dangerous time, but a time of promise, a time when you can make a massive contribution toward mankind's improvement. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote some words that I've long cherished. 
that are very applicable to the challenge and the opportunity you face. He put it this way. If there is a period one would desire to be born in, is it not the age of revolution when the old and new stand side by side and admit of being compared, when the energies of all men are searched by fear and by hope, when the accomplishments of the past era can be compensated by the rich possibilities of the new era? This time, like all times, said Emerson, is a very good one, if one but knows what to do with it. I hope, I pray, you will know what to do with it.